It's amazing how much more energized people come to church when the sun's shining and it's awesome outside than when it's cloudy and it's raining. It's amazing how the atmosphere can shift our attitude, isn't it? And, and you know, really that's what God has called the church to do is to shift the atmosphere with some good news that people can receive and really change the world and change people's perspective on what life is all about. And so we want you to be encouraged today. There's a lot of things that have been going on in the world, but I really do believe that the church uh, simply is this according to the scripture. It's not a building that we go to, though we do meet in a building. It's a people that we are. And I frame it this way lots of times here at Barefoot Church. The church is a people in a people to change a people. In other words, God deposits his church in the world to bring good news into communities and neighborhoods and families, you know what, that are experiencing uh, hopeless situations. And we all experience uh, situations and circumstances in life, but what we're to do is we know the Messiah, we know the risen Savior as a church. We're called out to really say, hey, we got hope beyond the situation and the circumstance. It doesn't mean that, you know what, the circumstance or the situation is a pleasant situation, but what it does mean is, you know what, we got hope inside our heart and nothing can take that hope away because of who we are connected to. We're people in a people to change a people. Does anybody receive that today? So let's talk about changing the atmosphere. You ever had a mom that could change the atmosphere? Moms are pretty good at that, aren't they? They can walk in and maybe you don't want to clean your room. But all of a sudden, they shift the atmosphere, and you get busy cleaning your room. Anybody (laughs) experienced that before? Bosses, they can change the atmosphere. Employees can change the atmosphere. We all have the ability to, to shift the atmosphere for things to connect. In other words, we are the church. People gather together in its various forms, various gifts, and God puts that together for the church to bring good news into the world. And it's good news about God has has redemptive power. Redemptive power is simply love and power put together to really, really redeem people in a world that's broken. And honestly, we are the music to God's song. The church is the music to God's song. But sometimes the church, the people can confuse God's song because, because we're not kind of clicking along in unity and, and together. And when we're not clicking along in unity and together and using the gift that God has given us and partnering with other gifts, then what it becomes is like a chaotic band. And it causes confusion in people's life. And, and again, we are, music can change the atmosphere, right? I mean, think about it. It's not always the lyrics of the song. It, it can be the music in the song that shifts the atmosphere. And for illustration purposes today, I'm, I'm going to share with you, God has a song, and he has a story to tell, and he has, he has words to be spoken in this earth. But, but how we partner with that as the musicians, as God's instruments, really, really has the ability to, to change the atmosphere, harm the atmosphere, or help the atmosphere. 
for the good seed of God's word to be planted and grow and produce, produce something. You know, the Bible compares God's word to a seed. And what's interesting is the seed is always good 100% of the time. But when we, when we look at a story we're going to look at a little bit later, what we find is the condition or the atmosphere that the seed falls in really determines the growth of the seed. And the church is to plant the seeds of the word of God all over the place. But honestly, if we don't examine and study and shift the atmosphere, the seed can fall on bad soil. In other words, it's a good seed, but it falls in a bad heart. And and, and I believe that God has called his people that have been called out of darkness into the wonderful light. That's what the church is. To shift the atmosphere so other people can come into the wonderful light. In other words, he... He basically has changed our life so that we can change other people's life. So we can present good news. And the church isn't just about your life changing and my life changing. It's about being forgiven, being connected to God, and then permeating God's amazing presence in the world. I'm going to demonstrate to you today how, how music affects the atmosphere. Amanda, come on out real quick. Like, And Amanda, as I'm talking she's going to play something a little bit chaotic and you know it's not going to go along with what i'm saying though what i'm saying really really matters and it's pretty incredible and it's pretty phenomenal and i do believe that god can change your life and um it's it's amazing i just want you to know your mind is being confused right now because she's playing off notes she's playing off key a lot of people ask sometimes why do i have that keyboard come out and play behind me at the end of the service and And really, it's to set the atmosphere for God to do something amazing in your life. And then some people wonder as a communicator why sometimes whenever that music is playing and it's off key like it is right now, why, you know what, everything begins to shift in the room. Even my countenance begins to shift. Everything begins to shift. It's because, you know what, it's out of order. And and it's it's not a good thing. Some of you have even missed half of what I'm saying because of this awful music back here. And even when the timing's off, and what I mean by that, when the time is off and they don't come out when they're supposed to come out and I'm expecting that, that to be behind me and to play and to deliver, you know, it, it, can, it can make a difference in the atmosphere. Because I'm expecting one thing, but something else is happening. And it causes confusion. I, I want you to know today, God has an expectation of you as a Christ follower. But what happens a lot of times, we're making a different sound than God's song and we are not playing in tune with what God's doing in the world and we're missing so much about the atmosphere that God wants to create my friend the church is to be an atmosphere architect see only four of you clap because you're not hearing what I'm saying now Amanda play something that gets in sync with me and flows with me. Amanda's the music and I'm the voice. Okay? I don't know where you are today. I don't know what storm you're facing. But I know we serve an amazing God. And my friend, no matter where you have been in life, there's a God who loves you and wants to come to you and connect to your heart and change you forever. God's more concerned 
about what's happening in your life eternally than the circumstances around you. The interesting thing is God forgives our mess, forgives our sin, no matter how far off target we've been with his glorious plan. My friend, he can come and change your life in a moment if you'll just receive, be on the receptive end of what God's trying to deposit. Now I know your mind is thinking, you know what, I've done way too much for God to deposit a good seed in me. My heart's way too hard. I got too many troubles in my life. But I want to declare to you today, nothing is too great for God's amazing power. And my friend, I want to cultivate something in your heart today. I want your heart to soften and be receptive to a good God, a loving God, a powerful God. My friend, the reason he resurrected from a grave is to show you that he has power over any circumstance or challenge. And he wants to meet you in the place that you are today and change your life and use you forever. And so I want to ask you today, are you ready to receive? Are you ready to receive the deposit of the good word that God wants to plant in your heart? If you are, let's lift this room. Let's lift the atmosphere. Let's put our hands together today. Thank you, Amanda. Do you see how the music shifts the atmosphere? It's in sync with the word. It changes everything about about what's happening in your heart and in your life. And, and, And this is the thing. You know what? There's people on the receiving end of God's word. The Bible, again, speaks of God's word as being something powerful. It's something that that can come in and and change your forever. However, God has this amazing redemptive story of love and of power. But what happens sometimes, the the church, the, the ones who are sowing the seed and preparing the ground, preparing the field, sometimes confuses people about the good word of God. And then, you know what, they walk out of here and nothing's changed. But my friend, you know what? Part of what the church does in crisis situations is meets people in a crisis moment and begins to serve and to share and do all these things that we've been doing through disaster relief. Why do we do those things? Because, you know what, their their heart is ready to receive. Crisis has happened. They're up against the wall. And if we could just step in and be the church and use our various gifts and do what God has designed us to do, you know what, we could change the atmosphere and the seed could fall in their heart and change their forever but do you see yourself as a person that can shift the atmosphere do you see serving in the local church and using the various gifts that he has given you as as the very very instrument that God uses to to bring this redemptive word into society And, and today I want to talk about how to be an atmosphere architect how you and I can shift shift the room See, I'm a firm believer in this. The very power of God lives in me. The same power that lifted Jesus from the grave lives in me. And that power is what has changed me from the inside out. And I am a powerful being. 
I'm human just like you. And I'm not talking about strength, but the very power that lives in me, the God in me has the, has the power to change the atmosphere. And what I mean is I can step into any situation or any circumstance. And I don't have to be timid about who God has created me to be. And when I shift, when I step in, especially with the partnership of others, you know what? The atmosphere begins to change. And I'm a firm believer that God has given me the power to change the atmosphere. And I know it happens. Because I used to be timid in my flesh when I walked into the room. I was a little bit worried about what you would think about me or how I pronounced the word or, you know, or, or whatever else. But somehow, somehow, God gave me this, this amazing gift to, to further his kingdom. And no longer am I timid when I walk into a situation. I read the word of God. I get it deposited in my heart. And I step up with confidence and boldness. And this is my expectation. That the atmosphere will shift and people's life will be changed. Do you see what God has put in you as opportunity to shift the atmosphere, shift the culture, shift the city? See, I believe we are a people in a people to change a people. I'll never back off of that. I'll never back down from God has something in you that he wants to use. Get off your duff and partner it up and let's do something. Shift. And, and, and you know, nothing irritates me as a musician, as an instrument, is for the other musicians to, to be prideful of the gift and not show up and use it or think they don't have a gift. And I, I want you to know today if you are a Christ follower, if you believe in the redemptive purpose of Jesus, then why would you say you don't have a gift to change the world? Because the word of God says that God puts his spirit in you. It shifts your attributes. It shifts your actions. And it shifts your attitude. Everything about you should be shifting. You are being transformed into the likeness of Christ our model, and our Savior. When you look at yourself in the mirror, are you becoming like Christ in the various gift that God gave you? None of us are Jesus and none of us are God. However, some way, somehow, in God's master plan, he takes the various parts and puts them together and creates this image of himself in the world. And that image is powerful, that image is sound, and that image is loving. The Bible says the, that God doesn't give us, us, plural, that means me and you, the church, the spirit of fear. But he gives us the spirit of a sound mind, of love, and of amazing, amazing power. Does that describe what you're a part of? We're sound, we're loving. And we're more powerful than any force on this planet because you know what? We serve an all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time, God. And, and so, again, I'm going to help you see today 
that you do have the ability to change the world. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says this. The writer here, Paul, says to the church at Thessalonica, because we understand who Jesus is, we understand he's the liberator, he's the Messiah, that he has come, and often, more so than not, he talks about, and he will return. It's interesting because he talks about the Messiah has come, but he continually talks about the return, the return, the return, the return. I notice, I think I'm going to do a series called Return. Because I notice how many times the New Testament writers didn't talk about just the ascension and the cross. They talked about the return of a king. And they're looking for, they they lived every day like it's going to happen tomorrow. And man, that stuff fires me up because that's why I want to live life, don't you? To believe that he's going to come back tomorrow. And it's going to be amazing. He's going to purge all evil. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And the atmosphere will ever shift because he puts all evil in the abyss. And we are his family. And we are redeemed by his amazing love and his incredible power. And we live forever and ever and ever. So these these writers would encourage people the trials and the difficult moments to to basically, hey man, stick with it. Commit. Submit. Commit. Submit. Commit. But can I tell you something? That's not really culturally relevant to talk about commitment. Especially in our day and age, right? People are not committed to anything to follow through. And do what God has designed them to do. And, and, and so the writer in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says this. This is Paul. He says, so now that you know who Jesus is, he's resurrected and he's coming back. Encourage each other and encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. In other words, don't stop infusing encouraging in each other about this resurrected Jesus. Even when Hurricane the hurricanes hit your country. Don't you stop encouraging each other. Even when life seems to be relationally challenging, don't you stop encouraging each other. Even when, you know what, uh, the, the, the stock market and my financial situations are very, very difficult, don't you stop encouraging each other. Even when I hit the big sale and I sold more property in North Myrtle Beach than I've ever sold in the history of of all the sales ever, don't stop encouraging each other. In other words, you know what? Don't stop encouraging each other in the valley nor the mountaintops because the mountaintop isn't where it is. The valley's not where it is. Where it is is hope in Jesus Christ and he's coming back. Don't you stop encouraging each other. Make some music. Lift the atmosphere. Lift the room. And again, I know my attitude sometimes, man, I fail at this so many, many times. But again, then I try to get back up and I try to do it. You you just ask ask the people around me. I I have the ability to shift the atmosphere, to shift the room. I can walk in negative and everybody feels like they're going to go to hell. I do it all the time. Sometimes I do it intentionally. Because they need to feel like they're going to go to hell. 
Because if you ain't doing it, you know what God has designed you to do. You need to wake up. And so, you know, I, again, I, I don't know where you are, but understand. And here's the other side of that. So I do believe in off, off, being authentic. And what I mean by that is, is I do believe in having the very spirit of God living in me, but being real in the situation. And it doesn't deny that things are painful, but you need to call it what it is. Don't, don't be faking your way through it. Walking in and telling everybody it's all right when it ain't all right. Are you kidding me? And again, this is what the writer Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He's like, why would you walk in and boast in the way one of these guys in your church is living? Yeah, you know what? Christ is a, is a gift for humanity, and it's a free gift. And you know what? He forgives you of all your sin. However, this guy, he, he's a professed Christ follower, and he intentionally keeps on missing. And can I tell you something? He is jacking up the atmosphere. And the writer says, you know what you need to do? Get him out of your church. Because a little bit of him will ruin the whole musical show that I'm trying to do through my local church. He, he's playing off key. He's not doing what he's designed to do. He's not living as, as he has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and the power of God lives in him and is conquering the sin that's living in him and he's pushing it aside. He's not living life on purpose. So what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. He says, you're boasting, church at Corinth, it's not good. They were boasting about a guy who was having a sexual relationship with his stepmother. Literally boasting about it. He's a part of our church. He's awesome. He's a sinner. He's incredible. He's phenomenal. God forgives. Yeah, he does. Make no bones about it. And everybody's welcome. And, and everybody should be welcome in Barefoot Church too. I want you to grab hold of this today. Because everybody is welcome. I don't care how bad you miss the mark. I don't care if you're missing the mark right now. You're welcome here. Always to hear the great song of redemption. However, when God allows your heart to connect with him, understand he deposits his spirit in you. And if you are the same today as you was the day that you were redeemed, you need to check yourself because God never redeems and forgives to leave anybody the same. He redeems and forgives to deposit his spirit in you so you can change and permeate God through the world and be an example and a direct image of who he is and Paul is clear as he writes his church at Corinth he's like this guy is claiming to be connected to y'all but he continually lives like this you need to get him out and some people say well that's being judgmental you darn right it is and let me tell you something if I'm leading a band and you just continually decide you want to play off key because you want to do your own thing and do it your own way, and you're screwing up the whole band, you're dismissed for a minute until you can decide to get on key 
Not because you don't have the ability, but you're choosing to do your own thing and play in your own lane. My friend, it is, there's a difference in judging the outsider and judging the insider according to the scripture. An insider being those who are professed and believe in Jesus Christ. And what makes it so difficult in an environment like this in 2018 is those, you know what, the, the whole idea is the outsiders and the insiders all gathering weekend experiences like this. But inside, there is a body. And there's various people here. And, I, and, and again, I want you to know you're welcome. I don't care who you are or what you've done. You're incredibly welcome. But there is an expectation of transformation to happen in your life if God has redeemed you. And I would be doing you and you would be doing me disjustice if we didn't call that gift out. And say, you need to use your gift. And you need to stop, stop basically wrecking the train because you're choosing to go your own way. Wrecking what God's doing. And again, what we do is we become bashful, don't we? Or, or we, become, we become people that, you know, well, in, in the name of, of, we want a lot of people to gather, which is awesome, we do but we're afraid to say what's truthful in somebody's life because, oh, you might offend that group or offend that group. Here's the deal. It's at the end of the day, we've all offended God. We've all stepped away from his amazing standard. We've all missed the mark. But he is so gracious and so forgiving, no matter how far you have missed the mark, he will come into your situation and capture your heart and recondition you and retrain you into something powerful in this world. And again, out of when, whenever we gather as groups like this and you share with people, hey, you need to change. That ain't God's plan is what he's telling this church at Corinth. God's plan ain't for some dude to be sleeping with his stepmama. That ain't his plan. It's immorality. And it's ruining the music of the message. And he says somebody needs to be bold enough to step up and call it what it is and do what's necessary and tell them to change. And you say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, that doesn't sound loving. But let me ask you another question. If you've got a three-year-old, you're trying to teach how to stay out of the road and look both ways on a busy highway. And they decide to go their own way and step out in front of an 18-wheeler barreling down the highway at 75 miles an hour. I'm sure you're going to say lovingly, it's okay, honey. Just keep walking in the road and doing what you want to do how you want to do it. No, you're going to step it up a notch if you really love the kid. And you're going to say, hey, you're about to wreck your life. And you're about to destroy everything about your life. And you know what? I will tackle your butt and throw you in the ditch and break your flipping arm in order for you to get out of that road. I don't, I'm not going to pat you on the fanny and say, oh, sweetie, 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 get out of the road. You're about to get smashed. And, and what I'm trying to teach in this moment is this. We, we, we do this thing in, in the name of love and tolerate people from smashing their life. 
and smashing the good news of who Jesus is. And so it's not judging, it's actually loving. And the Bible says, again, I screw up all the time. Judge me, man. My kid judges me all the time. (laughs) And I can get offended. He's like, Dad, that ain't Jesus' light. You're right. You're right. And I need to change. And I need to produce something different. And my attitude needs to shift. And and honestly, you know, I don't know if you struggle with this same thing, but I think we all do, and we're not perfect. But, But at the end of the day, you know what? You need some people to speak into your life powerfully, loving, and, and you know what, that is what begins to make you amazing. But he says, listen, if you allow this crap to go on, he says, don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? It'll mess up the whole thing. He says, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch. As you really are, he says, because you've been redeemed. And that sin, the power of the yeast, hasn't has, is, is not, it doesn't have power over you. He says, that's really what you are. He says, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. He says, remember who you are. You're not like a, a bunch of bread that a little bit of yeast has in, uh, entered and, and permeated the whole dough. He says, man, you're like unleavened bread. And you've got to understand that sin has been forgiven because throughout Scripture it compares sin this little bit it permeates the whole batch and, and, and it compares it to yeast a lot of times. Like, like yeast is like mold. You, you know, we've been, we've been doing some uh, restoration our, our team has in people's house. What they tell me, they, they said they can't leave the mold in there. There's been a lot of flood damage around here. They got to go in and fumigate the house and tear the walls out, throw the furniture out. I'm talking about perfectly good looking stuff. And it's like, dude, don't throw that out. But, but what happens is if, if you continue to let it go in there without, without it being treated and all that kind of stuff, the little bit of mold will grow into more mold and more mold and more mold, and it'll take over the house, and pretty soon you've got to condemn the whole house. Understand, that's how it works. In your life, my life, and in the church's life. And again, it's not being mean, but, but we need to help each other see where we're wrecking our life. That is true love for one another. But but what happens a lot of times in in the counsel of God and the spirit of God, you know, people, we got counselors here and everything and, and people come and say, Hey man, man, I I need I want the situation to change. I want it. I want it to change. I want it to change. Okay. You want to change? Yeah. Okay. Here's what you need to do. Transform what you're doing. Stop doing this and start doing that. Lauren, that's called rebellion. I'm telling you, counselor, I'm listening to you, but I'm going to do it the way I want to do it when I walk out of this place today. My friend, that is a hard heart. That's the the sin problem. It's called rebellion. Until we submit ourselves to a different spirit and a different counselor, 
We'll always make our own counsel. And you know what? At the end of the day, God can't change that because you're not on the receiving end of a blessing. And again, how do you change? You don't change any kind of way but by putting your faith in the God of the universe. Reconnecting to him and letting his Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, enter your heart and partner with the word of God. The word of God is truth. And begin to let it permeate your soul and permeate your your heart and your life. And as it does, you become an atmosphere architect and you begin to change the world. The seed, it's small. But what happens so many times in our life is that seed never produces, it never grows. And the reason is, is the condition of the soul needs to be cultivated. That cultivating comes in a lot of different ways through the church, a lot of different forms. You got a gift, I got a gift, we all got a gift. And if we use those gifts together, we can tear up the field and plow it up so the seed are sprinkled everywhere and they come up and they germinate and they produce something great. And again, it, it comes in a lot of different ways. You know, what's amazing to me, when I studied the, the prophets of the Old Testament, dude, for those guys to kind of cultivate the heart, man, they, they, they had to say some hard stuff sometimes. And what I mean by that, these are prophets of God and basically saying, man, if you don't change your ways and change the the way you're living, you know what, you're going to miss the mark. You're going to continue to miss the mark and you're never going to have greatness in your life. And the prophets would stand up and and they would say some hard stuff. Matter of fact, this one guy basically said to this prophet named Elijah, his name, he was one of the kings. And he came, he was the king of the northern tribe and he came to Elijah. He had partnered up with the king of the southern tribe and then the king of another nation. And they were going into battle, and they came up against this, this hardship, and he decided he was a double standard king. In other words, there were some times he worshipped idols, and then there were other times he destroyed idols, and he decided he wanted to call on the Lord God Almighty. And he comes to this prophet named Elijah, and he says, Hey, hey man, you know what? I know We know that you hear from God and can deliver the message that God wants us to hear. Why don't you call on the name of the Lord? And here's what Elijah looked at the king and said to him. Why don't you call on the gods of your mama and daddy? What? Yeah, the the ones that they've been worshiping, that you continue to worship too. They could change your life, maybe. And he says, but here's the deal. I'll I'll call on God's spirit and what God wants to say to you. In the situation, but out of my respect for the, the king over the southern region, Jehoshaphat. So this is what he does. He changes the atmosphere. Remember, there's a double-minded king. He's going to worship this today, and he's going to worship the Lord God Almighty on this day. Elijah called him. He's like, man, my God's not a double-standard God. He's a single God. He's a one God. And either he is your God or not your God. And he says, so send me a harpist. Go read it. Second Kings chapter 3 verse 18. Because the atmosphere here is confusing and hostile. And I need to soothe the atmosphere with this harpist, this music. And I can begin to get a download from God and speak the truth of God's word into your life. 
I find that fascinating because, see, sometimes the prophets had some hard things to say to the people. They, they weren't popular people. It wasn't well thought of to be a prophet in this culture. It was a hard task and a hard job. But can I tell you what? They, they would be people that would call out what needed to be called out and share and use their gifts, but they always had, had these other people, these priests and these loving people and these sacrificial people and all these other gifts around them in order to, to kind of show the amazing power of God. Understand, God is amazing. He is loving. He is kind. He is graceful. He is all those great things that we tend uh, to, but he is also a God that is truthful. And he is a God that sees more in you than you see in yourself. And if you are not living to your potential, he will call it out. And he will say, you are falling below the standard. Connect to me and use your gift to change the world. Most people don't know why the human race was created. The human race was created to be image bearers of the living God here on planet earth. It's who we are. We're not to be God. We're image bearers. God says, let us create humans, both male and female, in our likeness, in our image. Let them be fruitful and multiply and permeate this earth with our presence. It's literally what he was saying. It's your purpose in life to change the atmosphere, not let the atmosphere change you. And, and, and can I tell you, sin entered the world and sin is changing many people's heart, but God wants to do the amazing. So I want to read to you, though sin has power, the God of the universe and his spirit has more power and can transform you and partner you with the local church. And together we can cultivate the soil, the field, and change people's life and deposit good seed in good soil. Listen to this parable Jesus taught. He says in Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9, he says, listen. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some of the seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they all died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. And Jesus says, anyone Anyone who has ears should listen and under and understand. So if you look at Jesus' interpretation of this story he told, he interprets the story a little bit later in the passage. And basically he says the seed is the word of God. The seed in the story is the word of God. Now I want you to notice something. It's the same seed planted in different atmospheres. Different souls, different conditions. And, and he says that the seeds are, are the seeds the word of God. And, and, and the seed is 100% good 100% of the time. It's never bad. 
However, the condition or the atmosphere of the soil that it's planted in has the ability for the seed to germinate and grow. And he says the different hearts that he, or the different souls he, he gave here as an analogy represents the human heart. And so I do believe it's the business of the church to not just go out and sow seeds and throw seeds and plant seeds, but begin to help the atmosphere of the heart be on the receptive end of God's seed. I believe it's the partnership of the local church not to just go and plant seeds and throw it out any kind of way, but look at the environment, the field where God has placed you in and begin to cultivate the heart, cultivate you know the soil and not just be haphazardly strowing seed, but strowing seed, but also cultivating the environment so the seed can germinate and root and produce 30, 60, even 100 times more than it did when it was planted. So what does that mean? That means it's growing. It's producing. It's changing. It's something's coming out of it. And so the church isn't just to go out and share the gospel and the good news, though that's part of it. But we're also to use the various gifts and plow the field. Prepare Prepare the hearts. In order to plow the field, you've got to begin to look at the field that you have been placed in. And you've got to see the obstacles and the challenges. And you've got to begin to, to use your gift to help, help plow the ground for, for that good seed to get in, in somebody's heart and begin to germinate and do something great. And so that's being an atmosphere architect. No architect draws a building, well, maybe some, but most architects don't draw a building haphazardly. They think about the conditions. They think about it standing. They think about it lasting. And honestly, I believe this is the call on the church in the various gifts is not to just go out and sow the seed and announce the good news to all of the world. If you really study scripture close, Jesus says go into all the world and make disciples. Baptizing them. We're going to do that this afternoon. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. Come on, somebody. All that I have commanded throughout the time. And so what he's saying is, listen, don't just go out and sow the seed. Create an environment where the seed can germinate. Y'all come in here. I come in here. I came to Christ all jacked up. But somebody had to create an environment for the seed of God's word. People had stowed the seed on my heart all their life. I mean, I've heard the story of Jesus and the seed of the good news since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. But how did it germinate? How was my heart plowed up and softened? It was through a gift and a person submitting and committing their life the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and living out their redemptive purpose here on the planet. And it was my wife. Because you see, we were in a mess. And though she was redeemed, she wasn't using the gift that God had planted in her to change my life. 
However, you know, and, and what happened is she became this, this wife that, that basically the scriptures call a nagging, dripping like a faucet drip. It's just getting on your nerves. And what that was doing was driving me further away. Telling me what I needed to change. What I needed to do. And, and can I tell you something? It was when she decided to submit herself to God. And God's word. Even though, you know what? She didn't deserve it. She put on, she put on the form of a servant. Not because she, she needed to, but because she had the attitude of Christ Jesus. And again, I wasn't abusive in the manner of, you know, some of you may describe abusive. That wasn't it. I was just jacked up. And in in the process, instead of trying to tell me how to change my jacked up life, she began to submit herself to the Lord. And God began to work in her. She's jacked up too. But at that time, you know what? God began to work in her life. And instead of becoming an obstacle for the seed, of God's word. She became a conduit. And because of her love for me when I did not even deserve it. Because of her allegiance to Jesus, even though everything in me was trying to pull her away from Jesus. And even though she was hostile towards me at one time, she became a loving wife towards me. And because of her commitment to the Lord and the power that was at work in her began to shift my life so the seed could get in and begin to germinate and do something. She cultivated the the hardness of my heart with the gift that God had given her. Come on, somebody. And what I want to say to you today is God has given the church the ability, not just you as an individual, but the church, the ability and the power and the variations of the gift to shift every heart in the community. If we would just use our gift, step into the gift, become the part that God has called us to be, change the atmosphere, cultivate the soul with the goodness, the discipline, the love, the audacity, all of these variations of who God is and begin to let the good seed of God's word get in our city, we would never be the same. The world would change. In other words, up there would come down here. Guard your heart, Proverbs, the wisdom book says, for it is the wellspring of life. Let your heart be conditioned to receive from God so you can be an atmosphere architect. And so that means you've got to commune with God on a regular basis. Let God dump something in you so you can pour something out. See, the reason a lot of us aren't pouring out is because we're not being filled. And my friend, you can't give out of an empty cup. You will always be asking for something else to fill your life. Put it under this, put it under that. Put it under this, put it under that. 
But I need to declare to you today, if you would just get under the spout where the glory of God comes out, that's called the Spirit of God. You get under that and let Him fill your life. It will change everything about you. You'll be empowered. You'll walk in the fullness. You'll partner up with somebody. You'll slap your neighbor and say, do your part. Come on, somebody. Stuff fires me up. Because, see, this is being the church and changing the atmosphere. And God is calling the church. I, you know, I really struggled with what I was going to teach this weekend. And I'm like, God, what do you want to say? Just tell the church who they are, what they need to be. Because that's my vessel. This is my, my, my musicians. This is my music to, to my song of redemption. Our receptivity of our, for, from our king determines our pro- productivity for the king. So you got to commune with him and you got to receive. You need to connect with his family, know your context. And again, you don't, you, don't, you don't use your gift the same way in every single circumstance and situation. You tailor it sometimes to the circumstance. I mean, that's what Jesus did. He's a very living God, but he tailored how he said things in certain environments. It's always the same message. But you look at the context and say, hey, bro, you a fisherman. I know your language. You tell fishing stories. You really caught one this big, but you said it was this big. You know what I'm saying? So he'd identify with them. Hey, 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 sweetie. You've been in prostitution all your life. And he said, but let me tell you something, girl. That ain't who you are. I don't care who they said you are. Let me define who you are today. He'd get on their level. He'd get in their environment. He would use their gift. He'd speak to them in realness. Hey, hey, you a bunch of farmers? Let me talk to you about some seed. See, the problem, reason sometimes this seed message don't connect here in this environment is because everybody ain't farmers. We all... Techno freaks, you know what I'm saying? I'm still trying to figure it out. How to connect in this techno environment with an age-old message so people's life can change. I think music probably speaks. But you got to know the context, how to use your gift. you got to connect with others. Know your gift and use somebody else's gift to change the world. Again, pride thinks it is all the gifts. However, you know what? When you submit yourself to God, you realize you don't have all the gifts, but God is doing something through the gifts in the world and in the community. And it's saying, it's, it's looking at everybody else and saying, bro, I cannot do this by myself. I cannot change the world by myself. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough gifting. I don't have enough education. I can't do it. So, I want you to come alongside of me. This is God's kingdom. This is his purpose for your life. It's what you are all about. It's why you are here. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I mean, you know what? I'm probably the least gifted person in all of this culture. However, you know what? God says, if you can partner up with some awesome people, we can change the world. That's you and me. And we can begin to shift the atmosphere. And change the world. Because God has given you a special 
gift. Then lastly, work hard to show off the great desire. Everything we should do, it should be uh, to show off God. Listen to what Colossians 3 verse 23 says. It says, work willingly at whatever you do. As though you were working for the Lord rather than people. I love that verse. It says, work willingly at whatever you do as you are working for the Lord instead of working for people. And and I find that verse fascinating in this because I can work for you to try to impress you or I can work for the Lord and change the world. Now, now let me show you what I mean. If I'm going to work for the Lord and change the world, that means I got to understand that God is working. He's not sleeping. He is doing something in this earth right now as we speak. He is redeeming all of creation. He is doing what he says he will do. He is a God at work all the time. Some people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, why aren't your disciples being like the other disciples over here? He looked at me and they said, you know what? Why are you working on the Sabbath? He looks at them and stares them in the eye. He says, you know what? My father is always working. Come on, somebody. And so that, uh, that makes me ask this question. What work is God doing? It's redemption. And then my question is, well, how is he doing it? It's through his local church. Through the various people, the various forms. Then it makes me ask this question. Well, that's the work God's doing. I'm going to work as unto the Lord in everything I do. I need to know. I know what he's doing. He's redeeming the world through Jesus who came in the power of the cross and the resurrection. And this good news needs to get out around the world. And then he deposits his spirit in people. He gives them various gifts in various forms. Then I just want to know what my part is. Do you ever ask God that question? What's my part? And once he tells you, Stop looking for another one. And root yourself down and do your part and let's watch the world change. Come on, somebody. The Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. The reason sometimes we're not flourishing is because, you know what, we're not planted. I'm going to go check that church out because I like their carpet. That preacher preaches too long. I'm a busy person. I understand. But can I tell you something? Really what commitment is, is understand what part you play, put your personal preferences to the side, and lock yourself down and commit to being who God has called you to be in this earth. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. And again, sometimes we just rub each other and cause some sparks. But it's okay. I'm going to get over my spark. You make me mad as a billy goat attacking a fence.
can I tell you something? That doesn't mean I give up on you. That doesn't mean I give up on God's plan and the gift that he's given me. And what the church really needs today to change the world is we need to keep sharing the good news. But we need to submit ourselves to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and commit to using our gift to change the world. Man, I love you. Some of you need to stop church shopping and root yourself down in the house of the Lord and use your gift and let's change the world to possibly change your life because that's what you were created for is to produce. Let me pray for you. Oh God, you're amazing. May we be an atmosphere architect today and submit ourselves first and foremost to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, if there is one here today that is continuing to go their own way, God, I pray they would submit to you and your authority over their life. Would they realize the love that you expressed on that amazing cross to forgive them of all their sin, all of their wrong way? My friend, the plan of redemption starts with forgiveness. And Jesus is offered a sacrifice on a cross so you can be fully forgiven and 100% connected to your heavenly Father. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You haven't done enough wrong and you can't do enough right. All you can do is submit and say, God, I receive it today and tell him thank you. If that's you today, just tell God thank you for the cross and thank you for Jesus. My friend, it doesn't stop there. God wants to deliver incredible power into your heart. It's called the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, to empower you to be everything he has created you to be through his vehicle, through his music. It's called the local church. Tell God right now you submit and you commit to his authority, to his word and his spirit. And today, you're going to be a part going to find your place and be a part of God's vehicle to change the world. It's called the local church. My friend, that is what you're created for. That is who you are. Let me declare upon your life today, you are fully loved. You are completely redeemed. God paid a high price for you. You are empowered to make a difference. And together, we are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things God created for us to do before the foundations of the world. Welcome to the family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise today.